So my mission is to unify the world. And a lot of times people mistake that from loving thy neighbor, holding hands, and we're going to solve all of the world's problems. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's not about compromising your own beliefs or forsaking what you stand for. It's about finding a way to come closer together with someone else who you may have never otherwise met. Because I think our fear of the other is the thing that's standing in our way to actually creating unity. Are you ready to join us in creating a better world? Awesome, because you're in the right place. Each week, we feature an inspiring story or message to help spread positive change and create a better world for all of us. I'm your host, Rick Ornelas. Welcome to the I Spark Change podcast. What is up, Impact Heroes? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Rick Ornelas. Thank you for spending some time with us today because we know time is a valuable resource and we're going to make it worth your while. I appreciate each and every one of you, not just for listening, but for who you are. I know you're sparking change to make the world a better place every day, and I am humbled and grateful for your efforts. It takes all of us doing our part to spread positive change, and that's what this show is all about, motivating you with stories of struggle courage, and hope to empower you to make a difference in your life and the lives of others. With that being said, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Hero Community. We are looking to feature more amazing social impact heroes on our show. And I'll bet all you listeners out there know a few that deserve to be recognized. If you or anyone you know should be on our radar, then you absolutely have to nominate them to be an iSpark Change Social Impact Hero. Just click the link in the show notes below to help us find out about more people that are doing great things. What is up, Impact Heroes? Welcome back to the show. I'm very excited for another Social Impact Spotlight episode where we get to share about someone who's doing amazing things to spread positive change. Once per month, we share one of these spotlights on the podcast so you can learn about them and their work. We want to impact your day with positivity and inspiration, as always. Well, today we have a special treat because we have a unique social impact spotlight show with a live interview that I recently recorded at the Next Gen HQ Summit in New York City. Now, at the summit, I watched this individual on stage conduct interviews and, and lead a panel with such empathy and grace that I wanted to meet her right away. So I introduced myself after the presentation and offered to interview you her on the spot. She was so gracious to accept and I could tell right away that she was doing the kind of impactful work that we love on this show and boy was I correct. Today we spotlight Sophie Barron. Sophie is a unifier. She was put on this earth to bring people together across differences through meaningful human connection and conversation. She's the founder of the nonprofit and conversation club Table Talk, educational platform The Conversationalist, and most recently, the first ever Gen Z talk show POVs. She is truly making a difference and sparking change. So let's hear more directly from her and her amazing story. Go straight to the interview. All right, welcome back, Impact Heroes. Today we have a unique uh, episode. We are coming to you live from the Next Gen HQ Summit in Manhattan, Next Gen 2022, is it? Yes, the 2022 Summit. Um, This is where it all started for Next Gen at a summit in Austin, and they've come a long way in this beautiful facility. 
Uh, but today um, I was inspired to uh, interview our latest guest, and this is Sophie Barron, who is the host of P the POVs and the founder of The Conversationalist. Rick, thank you for having me. I, we just connected. Rick is incredible. <laughs> I'm just so inspired by what you're doing with Ice Park Change. Oh, well, likewise, which is, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast. So tell us, so the Ice Park Change podcast is all about those that we call social impact heroes, mm. okay? Now, these are people that are um, doing impactful work, people that are making a difference in the world, people that are bettering humanity in some way, shape, or form. So when I saw you doing your interview, Sophie, on stage, she was in this panel, she was doing an interview with three amazing people, and during the interview, um, I could tell that you had done your homework, that you had done the prep work, and that you um, were genuinely interested in what they had to say, in the, what the people had to say, which tells me that you, um, you see the value in someone's story, you see the value in, in who someone is and what they, you know, what they want to talk about. So, with that being said, every hero has their origin story of how they became a hero. So you're doing impactful work, so I want to know how did you start? How did you get started with doing impactful work and what really started you down that journey? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I by no means <laughs> think of myself as a hero, but I do believe that everyone's voice needs to be heard. So yeah. which, is, which is heroic in itself. Thank so, you. Yeah, so my, my story goes back to growing up in the Midwest. I'm from Wichita, Kansas, just like Dorothy. And pretty early on, as a kid, all I wanted was to fit in. I just wanted to be like everyone else, go with the crowd. But no matter how hard I tried, I was labeled as the other. I was the only Jewish kid in my entire school, which led me to feel like an other. I felt ashamed of who I was, which led me to feel like I didn't have a voice. And so I so badly wanted to make a difference in the world and to do positive things, but I felt like I was only allowed to be a leader if someone allowed me to be one. Mm -hmm. And when I left the Midwest for college, I realized for the first time that I was actually taking my upbringing in Kansas for granted. At school at Penn, I was surrounded by people of all different backgrounds. I finally was surrounded by a Jewish community, but I realized that every group on campus was only doing what I was doing with their identity groups. And there was no intergroup dialogue. There weren't people coming together from different groups mm -hmm. to connect with one another. And so that's when I realized that really all along, the only person standing in my way was myself and I was ready to make a difference. So that's when I decided to commit myself to trying to create a platform that would give voice to the next generation and to make sure no other young person felt the way that I felt growing up. Well, that I, I love that you, you took, I guess, a, a pain point for you, if you will, and you turned it into your superpower. So, you know, we look at, at you know, hero, a lot of people think of heroes as, you know, being, having superpowers in some mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. And, and you took what, and oftentimes, if you look at, at some of, you know, the comic book heroes, it, it's sometimes their vulnerabilities, their insecurities, you know, their authenticities that make them stronger. The thing that we so yeah. often reject about ourselves and push away or shove under a rug for so long is actually the thing that we need to shine light on the most. And so I think as soon as I started leaning into the fact that being Jewish and being different was actually a good thing because it led me to want to bring people together across differences, that was what I needed to hold on to most. And I think you're right. Those are our superpowers. And the more we shove them away, the longer it's going to take to actually make the world a better place. Yeah. So, so, so tell our audience 
how was that accepted? When you, you, so, okay, so you made the commitment, you said, hey, I'm going to go out there and put this out to the world, mm. right? Which is a, a vulnerable thing to do. And there's a lot of faith that it's going to fall on you know, the right ears and, and that people are going to be listening, if you will, and people are going to support you. So what happened when you put it out there? So what I will say, tapping on my experience growing up in Wichita one more time, even though I felt like I didn't have a voice, I still continued to put myself out there. I was always the kid who ran for student body president every year. I auditioned for the lead in the musical. I always wanted to be that person driving change, whether I got that position or accolade or not. And so I think I was used to rejection because I started getting comfortable with the fact that half the battle is taking the risk. And so when I started my first organization in college, it was called Table Talk. That was my first step to trying to bring people together like we're doing now yeah, at exactly. a table. This is a table. table exactly. Talk. <laughs> um, and trying to bring people together across those differences. It, there, were, there was a lot of rejection. I, I mentioned this a bit earlier, but when I wanted to start off, I started by emailing every student leader on my campus with a cold email. I said, hey, I'm Sophie. I'm starting this organization called Table Talk. I'd love to pick your brain, better understand how you approach these problems in the Penn community. Let's get together. And a lot of people said no. And I think that was when I first started realizing that no matter what I do, not everyone is going to accept that. And I think I started shedding that skin that I felt growing up of needing to be liked and accepted by everyone. I think entrepreneurs and leaders who spend more time worrying about what other people think rather than leaning in to what is so radically themselves are the ones that won't make it as far. So I I started putting myself out there even more, taking those risks, creating new connections with people, just wanting to advance the mission. And even though there was rejection along the way, I think putting myself out there to even foster some of those connections was the entire purpose of the journey. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and and I think think an important point in what you were just saying is that... um, is that even though there were some people that didn't support you, I know there were others that did. Mm-hmm. There was others that did respond, right? Even if, even if you sent that email to 100 people and there was 95 that said no, but there was five that said yes, right? You're so right. And, and when I founded iSpark Change, I, I had to learn this lesson as well. And it, it started for me where I remember I had explained where the idea for Icebark Change had come from, and I explained it to my very close family and some very close friends, and some of them weren't super supportive. Some of them were just kind of like, meh, you know, like, eh, okay, yeah. that's great, like, good for you. You know, they weren't super supportive, and then I discussed it with a mentor of mine, and he said, look, you're not creating, you're not going to create Icebark Change for the people that aren't going to be by it, but you're creating it for all the people that will be mm. impacted by it. That's huge. And even if it's a much smaller number, whatever, you're still going to impact lives. And I learned that very early on, and that's driven me ever since then because I know that, um, and hopefully you too, but I know that there are plenty of people that are being impacted by it, and then I can connect with great people like you that are doing impactful work, and you know we can keep spreading one another's missions. And, and in Rick, doing that, I think, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I apologize for interrupting. I just think what you're doing is so important. And it's probably difficult at times because what you are doing is quite literally sparking 
a, a challenge to the status quo. And I think for me, when I started presenting my organization as a way to get us out of our comfort zones, to connect with people from different groups, to make new friends, to have those uncomfortable conversations, a lot of people were resistant because it's human nature to be afraid of change. Mm -hmm. It's more comfortable to stay inside of our comfort zones and our echo chambers with our existing friend groups. Yeah. And so I think it's even more reason to chase that North Star because what we're doing is so much bigger and not everyone's going to support it, but certain people will. Yes. So one thing on that note is when you're talking about the change, the other thing that people are uncomfortable with is they're uncomfortable with differences. So we're a, a social tribe species and we've evolved where you talked about others. We've evolved where it's, you know, our tribe and the other tribe. And oftentimes the other tribe, you know, they would come and pillage and, and there'd be wars and battles and everything. So you were always cautious of others and, you know, very judgmental of others that are out there. And I know with a conversationalist, you are trying to, you know, there, there's there's not, you know, party lines or anything. It's just, hey, we're, we're just here to have a conversation. So talk about that a little bit about how, what have been the challenges of where you're trying to bring people together that otherwise might not want to come together? Mm, such a good question. And tribalism, I think, is so fascinating because that is how it was, right? If you didn't stay with your group, it was a matter of survival. Mm -hmm. And so nowadays, I think we're afforded the privilege of trying to challenge those boundaries. And so even though we're bringing people together to have these really difficult discussions about really hot political and social issues, it's quite interesting that the biggest obstacle to this is people who are afraid of that conversation. I think even though we've geared away from what tribalism was back in the days of our ancestors, we're still afraid of the other. Mm -hmm. I think we saw a drastic shift in the 2016 election when we started to see this wave of a mentality, at least in my generation, where if you even support one policy on this political platform, unfriend me on Facebook. I don't want you in my mm -hmm. life. Stay as far yeah. away from me as possible. Yeah. And I think that created a stark divide in our world to feel like we can't connect with someone unless you believe X, Y, and Z yes. in line with that other person. Mm -hmm. So I think my biggest challenge to creating these conversations is creating this sense of our shared humanity. We don't have to have a conversation walking away as best friends, holding hands, singing kumbaya, but we have to get back to the same table. So my mission is to unify the world, and a lot of times people mistake that from loving thy neighbor, holding hands, and we're going to solve all of the world's problems, mm -hmm. when in reality, it's not about compromising your own beliefs or forsaking what you stand for. It's about finding a way to come closer together with someone else who you may have never otherwise met. Because I think our fear of the other is the thing that's standing in our way to actually creating unity. So yeah. it's challenging when there's a whole segment of people who don't want to have those conversations. But I try to reframe that in thinking, and maybe I'm just an optimist, but maybe they're just not ready. Maybe their echo chamber isn't hatched. You know, they're not yeah. ready to break that down yet, and that's okay. But until we're able to have that conversation, we're still going to see the polarization we see today. Yeah, and, and I, I just hope that it's is sooner than later. You know, I mean, you're you're obviously, you know, Gen Z, young. I mean, the people here at this at the summit, they're people that are, are going to change the world, you know, like yourself, that are making a difference. And that's that's a, a great thing in Gen Z that's different from like my generation, Gen X, is that people like me, we've gotten to that purpose-filled life later in life, farther mm. down our journey. Whereas Gen Z gets to it, and even statistically speaking, gets to that point in life where they feel, I want to make a difference. And it's at the age of 15 or 17 or, you know, um, young like you are. And, 
and for my sake, for um, you know, older generations, I hope that it happens sooner than later that they can start being as open-minded, I guess, if you will, as like as Gen Z, you know, appears to be. At least, at least the the ones that I've interviewed, you know, like yourself or Dylan and Justin, founders of Next Gen HQ, um, to collaborate and connect and, and break down those barriers. Absolutely, I think having an open mind is half the battle. I think mm -hmm. right now, I don't know if you feel this way, Rick, but I feel like we're seeking to change people's minds instead of open them. I yes. think the more that we can foster that, the more we are gonna be able to solve the problems. And I think it's gonna take an intergenerational approach but Gen Z's starting that conversation, I think in ways that other generations past haven't quite been able to master. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has been out of our control. You know, we've grown up as digital natives embracing technology from the get-go. Mm -hmm. We've lived through this pandemic, the era of school shootings. We see these issues around us and we have no choice but to solve them. And I yeah. think it's tricky because I think a lot of our generation feels this burden on our shoulders that we have to solve those problems. Yeah. I have older relatives who will say, you know, when is your generation gonna fix climate change? It's or true. I when mean, is your gonna, generation yeah. gonna solve yeah. the, the gun violence epidemic? Yeah. And, I think a lot of young people feel that it's our responsibility, which I think can be good. So we try to build a world for our future generations to not have to worry about these issues. Yeah. But it's a lot of pressure. So I hope that we can just continue to open each other's minds. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it, is, it is good and it is pressure because uh, research has shown that that pressure that you were just describing, that change the world kind of pressure, has caused an increase in mental health issues, specifically in Gen Z. And, and it's because of school shooting, gun violence, climate change, all these social issues, media. social media, all these issues that, that Gen Z feels like, okay, we've this, for, uh, forgive my language, crappy world has been dumped on us yeah. and now we have to fix it. All these other generations have just like that, they've, you know, thrown out all their garbage and it's our job. Yeah. And so, so um, share how you're trying to break down those barriers, how you're trying to show Gen Z that they can make a difference, that they can change the world. Absolutely. So I think it circles back to what I said at the beginning. You know, I have this belief, and maybe it's this wide-eyed, optimistic point of view. Maybe it's the Kansan in me. But I really believe that every single young person has a voice. Their voice matters. And until they use it, we're not going to solve these issues. Yeah. So for me, in starting The Conversationalist, I wanted to create a product and a platform where young people could speak their minds in a space rid of judgment, rid of cancel culture, so we could actually start finding our way back to one another. And it sounds maybe simple to most people, but I believe that so much of that just starts with human connection. So as we built our community, largely during the pandemic, we created a space online for young people to come to every day, 24 seven, to chat with one another, not about just how their day's going, but what's happening in the world, the upcoming election, the pandemic, all of the Black Lives Matter in Incidents, everything with climate change, every issue that we're seeing around us, we created a, a safe platform and a safe space for people to broach those topics with people their own age. Because oftentimes those conversations are happening around the dinner table with your parents, in the classroom, <laughs> with teachers. And I think young people need to feel empowered with each other before yeah. they go out to speak to others. So we yeah. started by creating that community and it's still active today. We have 80,000 people around the country who are in there 
all the time having these conversations. And now coming out of the pandemic, we see a need more and more for face-to-face -face conversations like this. You can only do so much behind a screen, behind your phone, and there's a need to come together with those people who have different views than you in person. So we just launched the first Gen Z talk show called POVs, which stands for points of view with a Z for Gen Z, yeah. where we dive deep into what young people really think about hot social and political issues. We just filmed our pilot and we released it to the nice. world last month around the question, is abortion a human right? We weren't gonna cut corners, we were diving right into a really difficult issue mm -hmm. and we convened two people who thought yes, two people who thought no, and facilitated a thoughtful dialogue with them on where they stand, where their views come from and where we can find common ground. And that happened to release the day after we heard that Roe v. Wade could potentially be overturned. Mm -hmm. So I think more than ever, there's this urgent need for discourse and we're trying to be the platform that's showing that young people are here. We're not the leaders of tomorrow, we're the leaders of today. And if we're not gonna be afforded a seat at the table, we're gonna create our own. So that's that's awesome work that you're doing and it, it will break down some of, some of those barriers and it will you know, force people into conversations, if you will. Um, I'm curious, though, just as a side, how much common ground did, the, did these four people find? It's a great question. And I think <laughs> the way we set up the conversation, we don't want to put that expectation on the table mm -hmm. because, again, we want this to be very real. We want people watching to feel like they're in the conversation with us, not that it's this distant concept. Mm -hmm. But after sharing their views and where they're coming from, the four actually realized that they equally value paid maternity and paternity leave. And they were able to compromise on that and make sure that we're pushing for more ways to support women and other people who can conceive. So in a lot of ways, even though they walked away, maybe feeling a little unresolved because they weren't gonna agree on yeah. you know, when life begins or what the solution is for Roe v. Wade, but they were able to uncover some of the things that they care equally about, which was supporting women and finding ways to actually show that in our actions with paid maternity and paternity leave. Yeah, and I think that's the start. I think the start is really finding those common those common areas, right? Yeah. Finding that common ground, finding those areas that you are more similar than you thought, yeah. right? Like going back to tribalism that, well, yeah, that tribe also cares about their families and cares about feeding their children. And there's plenty of areas that people can find some similarities. And, and when you when you can embrace that, then that starts to open those dialogues. Absolutely, and Rick, yeah. we start every episode with the four people who are on the in the conversation, not knowing a single thing about each other's political views, but we put them in a room, we have them pick prompts out of a, a fishbowl, and they have to find as many commonalities as they can with each other without speaking anything about abortion or politics. And so what happened is that they created this bond in realizing that they have commonalities with one another, whether they agree or disagree on abortion, and I think it's important that we build that foundation. Again, without a a false sense of becoming best friends with someone, but remembering what you said, right? We, like Rick, you and I probably have so much more in common than we would ever realize had we not sat down and talked. Yeah. And so I think we're trying to show that even though we may not be solving every issue and we're not gonna end these hot topics, we're finding a way to show that it's possible to talk about them. Yeah, which is the start, which is, you know, all you can ask for is the start for, you know, especially at this point. So tell, um, as we kind of come to the end of, of our interview, share with our audience, you know, 
where they can find you, where they can connect with you, learn more about your work, the POVs, the conversationalists and everything. Absolutely. And thank you so much again for having me. I feel yeah. like I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, so hopefully this is part one. But there you um, go. if anyone wants to watch POVs, it's our new talk show. We release episodes every Tuesday night on our website, theconversationalist.com. We have a live stream where everyone in our community comes together and chats together and joins the conversation. So head to our website and then we post all of our content on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of the platforms at The Conversationalist. So we'd love to have you join our community and we can't wait to keep the conversation going. Well, phenomenal. Well, um, I Spark Change Impact Heroes, definitely go out and check out um, Sophie's um, website and The Conversationalist and the POVs and check it all out on, on social media. Um, as far as one final question, okay, that we ask all of our social impact heroes on this podcast is we are in the early foundational stages of building our the world's first platform that will connect all these people, organizations, individuals, groups, people like you that are doing positive work around the world and impactful work. And our goal at iSpark Change is to have a community of one billion people within the next five years. So we can't get there get there alone. We know we need the help of people like you and, and you know people at this at the summit that are doing impactful work. So we value your opinion as an impact hero. So I'd like you to, you know, peer into our, pretend this microphone's a crystal ball, but peer into our crystal ball and tell our audience, what can the world become if we start breaking down those walls, having open conversations, and if everyone is motivated to change and to spark change and to, um, to connect with others? Well, I think, Rick, what you're describing is a unified world. I think if we can find a way to come back to the same table, and I think your platform could be that metaphor, right? Where we're all agreeing that we may not agree on every pathway to solve every problem we see, but we all believe in this shared goal of living our longest, happiest, healthiest, most successful lives for ourselves and for our families. And in order to do that, we have to acknowledge that every single person deserves a seat at the table. Everyone has a voice, everyone deserves to be heard, and. I think the world will be a little bit more unified if we can all agree on that premise. So I have faith you're going to build this platform to a billion people and more, and I can't wait to be a part of your journey. Awesome. Well, thank you very much um, for your kind words, and thank you very much for coming on the Icebark Change podcast. Sophie, it's been a pleasure. Well, Impact Heroes, uh, we appreciate Sophie coming today and you know, kind of last minute for this interview, and we loved hearing your story, and we love forward to looking at your future and everything you're going to grow. Such an honor. Thank you so much. All right, well, thank you so much. Bye, everyone. <laughs> wow, that was an awesome interview. I love doing that so much and was so grateful that Sophie agreed to that interview at the summit. So I urge you to continue to follow Sophie's work on social media. We will drop the links in the show notes. Um, check out that new show, POVs. It looks awesome uh, so far. And I know you won't be disappointed. So remember, Impact Heroes, it's our stories that connect us all. And we loved learning more about Sophie today. We hope you enjoyed learning more about the real-life superhero, Sophie Barron. Remember, Impact Heroes, every positive action can be a spark moment that has a ripple effect that spreads far beyond the initial act. So go out there and spark change. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode, then please smash that five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. We value your comments and we want to hear from you in the community. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And we'll see you next week on the Ice Park Change Podcast.